0: Hey everybody, it's Justin. Um hope my voice doesn't sound too bad for you guys listening in. Uh, I'm getting over a cold and it's really taking its toll, but I wasn't going to let that stop me from getting a podcast out to you guys. I only got one announcement to start with this week, and that's uh, Fall Fest is coming up. It's going to be October 30th from 5 to 7 in the parking lot. And if you want to come participate, that's awesome. If you want to come help, that's even better. And you can sign up to volunteer for like a time slot, a 30-minute time slot, on the homepage of the church, saxagatha.org. So let's jump in here. So we're on day six. Um, We're getting close to the end. There's only one more day left. But I'm not going to lie, this is the day that I've been waiting for. This is the day that I've had my eye on since we first started this series, and it's honestly the reason that I wanted to do this series in the first place. So on day six, God created the beasts of the field and humans. He created animals and man. So let's jump into the scripture and see what it has to say about this day. Genesis 1, 24-31 says, And fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So just like that, God made us. And we got so much special treatment. I mean, from the get-go, God made us differently than any of his other creations. I said with the first lesson, and I've mentioned it a few times since then, that as God was creating, he was making a place for us. And we see that here in this passage where God gives all of the things he's created to us, they're ours to control. Now I'll give you a little more on this later uh, when it comes to something to use for your quiet time this week. Uh, You'll be thinking a little bit about the blessings that God has bestowed upon us and the role that we play in his creation. But right now I want to talk about something else that makes us stand out. This passage tells us that we are created in God's own image. We've heard that over and over, I don't know how many times, and that's awesome, but what does that actually mean? I mean, does it mean we look like God? Because if that's the case, and you look at me, and you look in the mirror, you're going to see two different things. We look pretty different, so I think there's something more to it than that. I think to really find out what it means to be created in the image of God, we should look at the other story of creation. Now, I'm sorry if I just blew any minds here, um, but in Scripture, in Genesis, there are two accounts of the creation of man. Genesis chapter 1 gives us a great overview of creation. I mean, it's where we've been hanging out for the last six weeks. But then in Genesis 2, we get a a really zoomed-in look at the creation of man. So if I kind of, you know, call you off guard talking about a second story of creation— Maybe it means you need to get past chapter one. If you've read through Genesis, this shouldn't be a shock to you. It's really cool how this works, though. See, it's not two different stories of creation, but instead, one, the first one gives us the big picture. And the second one brings it down to a level that lets us really see the action. So let's check out something in that zoomed-in story of creation that I think will really help us understand what it is to be created in the image of God. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So God himself literally breathed life into us. He put his own breath into us to give us life. And more than just breath, what's really cool here is that the Hebrew word that translates to breath in the phrase breath of life is used in other pieces of scripture to talk about wind or spirit. I'm not even going to try and say the Hebrew because I'll just butcher it, but the Greek is pneuma. And in in places all throughout the Old Testament, we see it used... To talk about wind when the presence of God is there, and to talk about the Spirit as people are, are, are filled up by God. And so I think that that's what it is to be created in the image of God. That a little piece of God, His Spirit, went into us to make us what we are. How cool is that? I think that's why, at the end of this day, God could look at it, and instead of saying that it was good, he could say that it was very good. I hope this isn't a surprise to you, but it's true. There is nothing good apart from God. So for him to see us and to say very good couldn't be accomplished without him being a part of us. But then something terrible happens. And we lose that title of very good. If I shocked you with what was in chapter 2, then I... I'm really going to blow your mind with what's in chapter 3. Sin enters the world, and we aren't very good anymore. We aren't good. We're broken, and we're sinful. This wasn't a shock to God. God knew that this was going to happen, and before that apple was ever bitten, God had a plan, and I think I can prove it. You see, day six, the creation of man, is really our first lesson about salvation. Before any laws, before any prophecy, before any kings or priests or judges, before the birth, the life, the resurrection, the death, the ascension of Jesus, the creation of man is our first lesson on God's plan for salvation. So let's look at that Genesis 2 verse one more time. So again, this is Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. This passage is a perfect illustration of salvation. So here God is creating Adam, and he's making him out of dust. That alone is impressive to me. I can barely make a decent sandcastle, and here God is making a dust man. So we have God and Adam made of dust, and life is about to happen, and God bends down and breathes spirit into Adam, the breath of life. Adam opens his eyes and stands up, and he's no longer dust, but he's flesh, and he's alive. So think about this. What did Adam do to gain life? Did he ask God nicely, pray a special prayer? Did he do good things to earn it? Did it have anything to do with him? Or was life given to him freely by God because God loved him and because God wanted him to live? You see, salvation works the same way. When we fell into our sinful, broken state that we find ourselves in now, we went back to just being dust. We are dead in our sin. We no longer have that breath, that spirit that makes us very good in the eyes of God. God. But God, just like he did for Adam, will bend down and breathe his Holy Spirit into our lifeless dust bodies and make us alive in him. Not because we asked, not because we prayed a special prayer, not because we earned it, not because of anything that has to do with us. Like Adam, we are just lifeless piles of dust and there is nothing That we could do for ourselves. But instead, this happens because God gives salvation freely. So know that you, you with the Spirit dwelling within you, know that God is looking at you and thinking, you are very good. This isn't something I do on every podcast, um, but I didn't want to end it there. I recognize that there could be someone out there listening to this that may be a little confused by what I'm talking about. That you may hear me throwing around words like salvation and spirit and sin, and that may not make a lot of sense to you right now or maybe you've heard those words your whole life and and they're presented here in a way that that's new to you if that's the case reach out to me uh, a lot of you guys have my number if you don't you can email me uh, J Hall, j-h-a-l-l at saxagatha.org s-a-x-e-g-o-t-h-a dot o-r-g or you can find me on online on Twitter, uh, S.G. Stewman. Reach out. Don't, don't let that, that confusion stop you. Don't let fear stop you. But instead, be bold and reach out and look for answers. So now I'll give you guys a little something to use in your quiet time this week. Uh, we saw in the passage uh, genesis one twenty eight through thirty It's a blessing from God to man, and in it he he gives to us the whole of his creation. Why do you think he did that? Why would God, in his infinite wisdom, give everything over to us? Psalm chapter eight, verses five through eight really affirms this promise by showing our place in creation. We're given dominion or ruling power over the things that God has created. So what is our responsibility to God and to the things He created? How can we be sure that we're being good stewards over God's creation? And, and when, we, when we talk about that, we always bring up like nature, plants, and animals. But as... Day six clearly points out we are creations of God. Are we being good stewards to one another? What should that role look like in in all these different areas of God's creation? How should that look? So take some time this week and, and really think through those questions, really discern answers and pray about that. But I hope you guys enjoyed the message. I know it went a little long. Like I said, I was excited about this one. Um, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did and I will talk to you guys next week and hopefully I will sound normal again after I've shaken this cold. Have a great week. I'm praying for you guys.